0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to TIBCO's Ask the SOA Expert podcast. I'm your host, Rob Meyer. purpose of this podcast series is to give you the best practices and solutions to help you be successful with SOA. Now, the purpose of today's podcast is to help answer the most common question that many of us get from customers, which is, how do I get started with SOA? With us today to talk about a planning guide for SOA is Paul Brown, Global Principal Architect at TIBCO Software. Paul, welcome, and thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Rob. I'm glad to be here.
0: So, Paul, let's start with that question. I'm an architect in a company. How do I get started with SOA? Is there a project plan template or a guide that I can use out there?
1: Well, there is a guide to putting together a service-oriented architecture and planning it out, but it's not something that you can buy in a bookstore. We've been watching a lot of our customers go through this exercise for quite a few years now. And we sort of put together a compendium of all of their ideas that we uh, use as a guide for new projects.
0: So you formalize this in terms of a template and a methodology?
1: Yes, we call it our SOA execution model. And we have a planning guide that sort of helps you put that model in place and execute successful SOA projects in your business.
0: So can you give us a preview of what we'd find in the guide go through some of the basic steps?
1: Well, sure. It's really a six-step process here. The first step in the process is really to get on the enterprise level, the high-level architecture and strategy organized. The emphasis here is really on getting the shared business and technical vision for getting into the whole SOA thrust together and make sure that this is commonly understood across the enterprise. It also helps the enterprise focus on what it is they're trying to get out of this SOA initiative, because every company has slightly different goals in this area. The second step is really to establish an organizational foundation for SOA. While there's a lot of hype going on in the marketplace about the technology associated with SOA, uh, many of the real challenges we run into are really related to the organization rather than the technology.
0: So those are steps one and two, build your high-level architecture and strategy and establish your organizational foundation. What comes next?
1: The third step is to establish a technical foundation for your service-oriented architecture. Here, we need to pick the technologies that we're going to use, make sure that we have the right tools and infrastructure in place, make sure we have our best practices all spelled out, and finally, building out a core set of initial infrastructure services that we'll need to eventually build our business services, things like common error reporting and error handling and the like. The fourth step in the methodology is really getting to the heart of the matter. Essentially what we're trying to do here is analyze the existing business processes, identify opportunities for services, verifying that those services will in fact be reusable in other contexts, because it's the return on investment from reuse that's the real benefit from SOA. The fifth step is to build out those services and the composite applications that live on top of them. The challenge here is to build our services in a very robust and well-defined way, testing them well, and in particular, making sure that the implementation of these services will scale out as the demand for the service grows.
0: Okay, so we've talked about technical foundation, understanding your business processes, and building the services and the composite applications. What's the final step?
1: Finally, step six, we get the business payback. We measure the performance of both the services themselves and the overall business processes and use those measurements of the key performance indicators and service level agreements to fine-tune the operation of the business and get the benefits from our SOA.
0: You mentioned that you start out with the high level architecture and strategy, the business and the technical strategy, and then you build out the organizational foundation before you actually build out the technical foundation and do the process analysis and do the development and operations. Why start with the organization upfront right after the strategy? Can't you just do the first project? And don't these organizations generally end up being relatively similar in structure?
1: Well, to be somewhat glib, the answers are no and no. Organization is an all-too-often-overlooked aspect of SOA, and yet it's one of the most critical success factors in getting an SOA put together. Traditional development work is focused largely on activities that occur within a given organization or a given business silo. But when we get to SOA, that organization is now building services whose use is intended for other organizations. So figuring out what those services ought to look like so that those other organizations can take advantage of them obviously has to involve both the user organizations as well as the provider of the service. So the first challenge we have there is figuring out how to update the development process to get all of these organizations involved. The second challenge, as I mentioned earlier, is none of these organizations are typically going to be familiar with either the methodology or the technology of services. So we have an additional challenge as to how to share the methodology and the best practices and all of that with the different development groups that are involved. Now, as to your question about aren't all the organizations going to come out looking the same, again, the answer is no. And the reason is that different companies organize their development shops differently some companies are highly centralized and an organization like that a centralized support group for service oriented architecture and a centralized approach to validating that our services are appropriate will work quite well. But other companies are quite distributed both geographically and in different business units and sometimes they have their development shops organized that way as well. So by and large, the right solution for the organizational issue is going to mirror, to some extent, the current development organization within the enterprise, and we have to tailor it to match. What we want to avoid is a anything that appears to be a massive reorganization. We really don't need that. What we need is... A small number of individuals taking a look at the end-to-end business process and then focusing on what each of these silos needs to do to make that overall business process execute properly.
0: This sounds like a lot of the challenges people talk about when they refer to organizational governance.
1: Absolutely. Governance is really a key issue here. And what we want to do in governance is make sure that services are being used where they're appropriate. We don't want to build services that won't get reused because there's no return on that investment. On the other hand, we want to make sure that uh, applications that are being put together, in fact, take advantage of the services that are there. And the level of formality in the governance is going to vary from company to company, really depending on the level of formality they have in their existing development process.
0: Given all this, what does a typical project look like?
1: Well, on the surface, an SOA project looks an awful lot like a regular development project. The differences really come in because of the scope of the project activities, that the business process that we're working on spans multiple organizational units. And somebody needs to take a look at that overall business process and figure out where the services fit in the overall process, which organizational units, which silos are responsible for individual services, and make sure that all those pieces fit together. And that's typically a project manager who is really responsible now, not just for the development work, but for the deployment of the improved business process, and a business process architect and systems architect working together to figure out what the overall business process should look like, what the responsibilities of the individual development groups ought to be, and coordinating their activities.
0: What's the secret to getting a return on investment here when all is said and done?
1: We really have two sources of ROI for services. The first source is essentially cost avoidance in the IT organization. If we build a service and it really does get reused, then we've avoided the development cost of re-implementing that functionality in the second project. But there's a much larger return on investment that we get after a while, after we've built up a portfolio of business services. And this larger return on investment we get... Because we can now implement a new business process, which means we can take a new idea or new competitive positioning of a company and bring it to market faster, because we can build a new business process out of the portfolio of existing services.
0: Now, it sounds like there's a trick here, because on the IT side, you have to invest over time to get the reuse, to get the increased reuse. So... Any recommendations on picking the first project and how to get started to make sure that you actually have the ROI up front?
1: You want to make sure that each project has a positive return on investment in and of itself. So typically, you're going to spend a little bit more building a service than you would building just the functionality dedicated to that one business process. But if we make sure that each project gives a positive business return on investment, then what we've done is set the stage for an ongoing investment in services. So the game plan is we want to pick an initial project that has a financial justification in and of itself, regardless of the fact that we're doing services. And as part of that project, we want to build a service or two. Then we want to pick a second project that also has a business benefit of its own happens to use one or more of the services that we built in the previous project and, in addition, may build one or two more services. And if we keep the strategy up, then we'll end up building a fairly extensive portfolio of services that handles most of the needs of our business processes. And eventually, we'll get to the point where we can achieve that big return on investment by quickly building new business processes out of the portfolio of existing services.
0: Now, this seems to be pretty challenging. I know that Aberdeen did a study where they interviewed a bunch of different companies, and even the best-in-class companies said their biggest challenge was actually reuse. So I'm wondering, what's the secret to really achieving reuse?
1: Well, the secret to reuse is a good crystal ball. And I'm not joking when I say this. I'm really serious. In our businesses, we have senior technical and business people who are in a position to evaluate a proposal for a service and make a quick determination as to whether or not that service could really be reused in different contexts and they're also in a position to once they've made a decision that a service would indeed be reusable they're in a position to specify what that service needs to look like so that it can be reused the challenge is to get these people involved in a timely manner when a project comes up with an idea for a service. And it really has to be a priority for these people. They are the senior people in the organization. They're not just sitting around waiting for the phone to ring.
0: So what would you recommend as the next steps for architects trying to build out a plan for SOA?
1: First and foremost, we want to build out our plan for how we're going to get to SOA and make sure that we've covered both the technical and the organizational issues that are involved. Next, we also need to get the business involved, particularly in business services. The services are not about the technology, they're about business functionality, and typically the IT organization does not have a deep enough understanding of the business processes to be able to specify and build reusable business services. We also need to make sure that we start with a project that has a business justification on its own and start down this avenue of building up a portfolio of services. Each project has to have its own payback and we accumulate the services as we go along and eventually we'll get to the point where we get that big return on investment. We also want to make sure that we're evaluating the technologies that will support us not only in the short term, but the long term. We have to think about things like enterprise-wide use and platform independence and how we get the performance and scalability out of our services and particularly make sure that we look beyond simple request reply and get to event-driven services that you need to actually build up real business processes finally if you don't have the expertise for services within your organization there are any number of well-qualified consultants out there who can help you understand what this world of services looks like and help infuse that knowledge into your organization quickly and in a timely manner. A little investment in knowledge right up front will save you a lot of headaches later.
0: Well, great, Paul. Thanks for all that information, and thanks for being here today.
1: You're welcome, Rob. It was a pleasure talking with you.
0: That's Paul Brown, Global Principal Architect at TIBCO Software. If you want more information from TIBCO, you can go to soa.tibco.com or email them at soa.tibco.com. I'm Rob Meyer. Thanks for listening to TIBCO's Ask the SOA Expert podcast.